The Mere and the Curse of Camelot book is now available to buy on Amazon Prime. The link is in the details. If you're interested in partnering with Magical Storybook English Nanny Bedtime Stories or wanting to know more about sponsorship opportunities, then visit our website www.magical-storybook.com. You can also download free read-along books to accompany our fairy tales. Our Magical Storybook podcast, Mere and the Curse of Camelot, is now an exciting new novel, available to download on Amazon or buy as a printed book. Follow the link in the podcast details. Welcome to Magical Storybook, a collection of children's stories from around the world. Mia and the Curse of Camelot, Chapter 7, The Mountain Witch In the mystical mountains, there are mystical spells, and the sparkling blue puddles are magical wells. The current was fierce, and as much as Mia tried to fight it, there was nothing that she could do to stop herself being pulled along with it. The water repeatedly rolled over her head and span her around until she didn't know which way she was facing. She started to sink. Too exhausted to fight it, she closed her eyes as the water filled her mouth. Then she felt a nudge. Something moved beneath her and started to lift her upwards. Within moments, her head was above the water again and she felt herself being pulled towards the shore. She was deposited on the bank beneath the mountain. She vomited up the slimy, stinky water that she had swallowed and looked up. There, lying next to her and looking just as near to death, was Morian. Thank you, she said once she had caught her breath. Don't thank me, he gasped, nodding towards the river. Thank our friend. Mia turned to see a water dragon rolling and surfing in the swell. It studied them with its dark grey eyes while it played, and then, with an enormous splash of its long tail, it sank beneath the waves and swam away. The river instantly became shallow and calm again. I've never known this river to be that turbulent, said Morian. This is witchcraft. Someone doesn't want us here. A screeching noise from above made them look towards the sky. Circling them was a large group of crows. The smoky threads that poured from their wings left Mia in no doubt that they were the same ones that had chased her at the castle. She screamed. That's Morgana, the knight panicked. Let's get out of here. They both clambered to their feet and ran as quickly as they could to the foot of the mystical mountains. They watched the witch fly off. Well, she obviously knows I'm here now, said Mia, shaking. They rested for a while and ate some food before beginning the long ascent. The first part of the track was fairly flat and easy, with just a few small rocks to avoid, but then it became steeper and narrower, 
and the surface became a blanket of loose stones that sent them sliding dangerously near to the edge of the sheer drop with every step. At one point, Mia lost her grip entirely, and it was only holding on to the branch of a tree that was sticking out from the rock that saved her from plummeting over the edge. Morian was more used to the climb, and Mia was amazed to see him skipping up the path like a gazelle. The track eventually came to an end, leaving them two options, back down the way they came, or up a steep cliff. What now? asked Mia, clutching a cluster of wallflowers for dear life and trying not to look down. A feeling of dread came over her when she saw Morian scanning the rock face. We climb, of course, he said, confirming her fears. But wait here until I say so. He found his first foothold and began the ascent. It felt like a lifetime before she heard him call down from the top. Here, pull this tightly under your arms and start climbing, she heard him yell, a second before a heavy rope with a looped end came tumbling down towards her. Mia stepped into the hoop, pulled it up around her chest and took a moment to compose herself. Ready, she eventually shouted up apprehensively. She felt the rope being pulled at the other end and she began to climb. Don't look down, don't look down, she kept saying to herself. If she had, she would have seen the deep gorge that disappeared into the ground directly below her and she might have frozen with fear. When she got to the top of the cliff, she laughed with nervous relief. Morian patted her on the back. Good job, he said, folding the rope back up. I'll make a warrior of you yet. Mia felt a lot less nervous after that and began to climb with the same confidence as Morian. Halfway up, she noticed that the rocks were becoming blue. They were sparkling with what looked like hundreds of tiny sapphires. It was the most beautiful sight that she'd ever seen. The higher they went, the more intense the colour was. She could hear a rumbling sound in the distance. As they went on, the rumbling got louder and louder and Mia took a sharp intake of breath when they turned a corner and she saw that the rumbling was coming from a series of spectacular waterfalls and fountains, each bursting into an impressive display of watery fireworks. Here, said Morian, wagging his finger breathlessly towards a nook in the rock. We have to go through here. Mia looked inside and saw that there was a hole at the back of it. It was very small and would have been easily missed by anybody casually passing. They both squeezed through, and Mia was amazed to see that on the other side was a forest. It was as though they had been magically transported back to the ground. This was another strange land, where the leaves on the trees were radiant blues and whites, and they flickered like candle flames. It reminded Mia of the calm, wintry light that she used to see on the playing field when she would go out walking with her mum. But that was a long time ago, and the thought made her feel sad. She noticed that on the ground below some of the trees were shallow puddles of water, as bright blue and sparkly as the waterfalls, and above each of these pools was a large bell hanging from a chain. 
These pools are magic wells, portals to other parts of Camelot, said Morian. When you want to travel somewhere, you step into one and tell it where you want to go. Then you ring the bell and you'll be transported there. Mia tested it out by putting her foot in the puddle. It only just covered her toes. Will it take me home? she asked. Then she reached out to touch the bell, but Morian blocked her hand. They do not possess the power of time travel, he said. If you try, it will confuse the well, and you could end up somewhere even more dangerous. Even travelling through this realm requires great caution. Morian must have noticed the look of sadness on Mia's face, as he immediately lightened the mood by showing her a pair of long pointed cloth shoes that were lying on a tree stump next to the pool. He must have slipped and gone in face first, he laughed. Look, the force of the water swirl pulled his shoes off. I hate to think where he ended up, poor man. Hopefully somewhere nice. They both howled with laughter, a welcome relief after their troublesome day. Will these portals take us to the land of the dragons? asked Mia. No, only one well has the power to transport humans to another realm. The Hydra Well the most powerful portal in the kingdom. They walked through the forest as they chatted. Mia looked around her in awe as they passed all the sparkling portals. For thousands of years, the Hydra Well's bell has opened the gateway between Camelot and the Dragon Realm, Morian continued. When it rings out, its musical notes vibrate through the water, creating a swirl of magical blue foam that takes people where they ask it to go. One false word and you could end up in another world with no way back. The mountain witch Molly Merle is the only one who knows how to use it. We must find her and ask her to help us on our way. A little further down the track, the sound of dull clanging interrupted their conversation. They went to see what it was. Through the trees, they could see an old woman, dressed in a scruffy purple dress. Its hem and anything below it was hidden by the deep pool of mud that she was standing in. She had a cone-shaped black hat that was bent at the end. It was pushed to one side as she scratched her head and appeared to talk to something in her hand. Molly Merle, called out Morian, making the woman jump. She looked up. Well, if it isn't Samorian, she exclaimed. This is a welcome surprise. Her feet squelched as she pulled them from the mud and strode over to greet her old friend. I haven't seen you for over a year, she beamed, hugging the knight. What brings you this way again? Then she spotted Mia. And who's this? She inquired, releasing Morian and walking towards Mia with her arm outstretched. Mia accepted the witch's handshake and she was in the middle of introducing herself when a strong breeze blew through the air. Mia suddenly felt Molly gripping her hand so tightly that it was beginning to hurt. She looked at the witch's face and saw with panic that her eyes had become white. She tried to pull her hand away, but Molly would not let go. Her voice changed. You are from a land that is much further away than my portals can reach. 
When you when broke, you broke through, through the barriers, barriers of time, of time you, brought you brought with you an energy, an energy that has, that the, has power the power to destroy to this world. world. Morgana, Morgana has felt a tear through her magic, magic. and she is looking, looking for the one, the one whose energy, energy can destroy her. her. Molly suddenly let go of Mia and pulled back her hand, and the air became still once more. The witch looked visibly shaken. You must proceed with caution, Mia heard her whisper to Morian. Morgana is nearby. We need your help to get to the Dragon Realm so that we can get hold of some armour and the blaze sword. Molly took Morian's hand. Visiting the Dragon Realm is one thing, but you're going to risk your lives further by visiting Tarask, she cautioned. Mia has the power to break the spell over Camelot, he explained. What other choice do we have? Then his attention turned to the muddy, waterless puddle at her feet. Where is the Hydra well? he asked. Molly suddenly remembered the object in her hand and showed them the cracked piece of metal, which was once the magical Hydra bell. The bell is broken, she sighed with frustration. I can't fix it. Mia asked whether she could look at the bell and then took it from Molly. As she examined it, she could hear Molly complaining. For thousands of years, the Merle family have guarded the mystical mountain wells. And today, for the first time, and under my watch, we have failed. What happened? asked Mia. Molly began to recount the events of earlier that day. It was around sunrise. I'd just got back from my rounds, topping up the mountain wells with water, and I saw a shadowy figure standing by the hydra well. Who was it? asked Morian. I don't know, said Molly. But it was an evil-looking thing, and I didn't like it one bit. Mia looked around, feeling jittery. I saw it fly over me as I was returning. It looked like a flock of birds. At first I thought that it was the Merle family blackbirds coming to visit me. But when I got here, I saw that it was turning into something more sinister. And I'm ashamed to say that I stood there in fright, leaving the Hydra well unprotected. Molly's voice was becoming more and more shaky. I saw it hit the Hydra bell with an axe, and it fell to the floor, and the well water disappeared. Mia shifted uncomfortably and placed the bell on the floor. I suppose that if there's no bell to summon the magical water, the hydra well no longer works, she said, unsure of whether she wanted to be right or wrong. Yes, answered Morian, meaning that we can no longer get to the dragon realm. Mia looked at the two disheartened faces next to her, and then she remembered something else that she had in her bag. It was another useful thing that she had learnt how to use at Scouts. She opened it up and took out a large magnifying glass. Morian and Molly were fascinated by the unusual object and both shuffled closer to see. She picked up the broken bell and placed it in the middle of the muddy hydra well, with its cracked side facing upwards. She waited for a ray of sunshine to break through the clouds and as soon as it did, she used the lens of the magnifying glass to reflect the sunbeam onto the bell's cracked surface. 
Under Mia's instruction, they all took it in turns to hold the lens in position, and after an hour, the metal began to heat up and soften. It's melting, cried Mia, not quite believing her luck. Clever girl, shouted Molly with excitement. Soon the metal was so hot that when Maureen touched it with a stick, it began to move. Now we need to move the melted metal over the crack to seal it, said Mia. Here, let me take over, said Molly, rolling up her sleeves. Moving liquid is my area of expertise. Then she took out her wand and conjured up a spell, which made the molten metal move like water across the bell. In no time at all, the crack was sealed and the bell was back in its original shape. They collected some magical blue water from a nearby well to cool down the metal and to top up its magic. It will be even more powerful now, laughed Molly as she scampered off to return the bell to the hydro well. Once it was back in place, she said, Now stand back! And she pulled on the bell's chain. With a loud clang, the bell vibrated and blue sparkling water gushed up from the ground, swirling around in the air like a tornado before eventually settling into a still blue pool. The hydro well is back! declared Molly, throwing her arms into the air with happiness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, she said, hugging Mia. A sudden darkness passed over the group, cutting short their celebration. They looked up to see a blanket of black birds flying above the forest. It's back, said Molly in alarm, signalling for Mia and Morian to jump into the portal. Quickly, you must be on your way before it sees you. They both jumped into the blue water and Molly began ringing the bell frantically. Instantly the water began to churn. To the realm of the dragons, she commanded, and the water rose higher before turning into a speeding whirlpool. Mia heard Molly ringing the bell harder and louder and she took a sharp intake of breath before closing her eyes wondering what on earth was to come next. She felt herself being pulled under the water. I can't believe this is happening to me again, she thought. But unlike her experience in the river at the bottom of the mystical mountains, Mia wasn't being thrashed about. Instead, she felt a calmness, as though she was bobbing around under the sea. She slowly opened her eyes and was shocked and bewildered to find that they were being pulled through a weird underground galaxy, an invisible sea that was filled with glimmering stars and bright, vibrant mountain peaks. The sound of Molly's bell was still ringing in her ears, but it was becoming distorted and sounding more like a choir of fairies or angels singing now. She pulled on Morian's arm to alert him to a giant octopus that was swimming past them. A moment later, they both felt a nudge from above. They looked up and saw the dark grey eyes of a water dragon staring at them. It was the one that had saved them from the river. It stopped and played with them for a while, somersaulting and looping in the air around them. Without warning came a deafening clang and Mia felt her feet hit a hard surface as they left the portal and found themselves looking down into the land of the dragons.